You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Let me pivot now. Talk to you about something that I know many of y'all are familiar with, which is Texas Country Reporter. And the anchor for that, uh, Bob Phillips, remember that? Mr. DQ himself. You'd see, I think Channel 5 carries. Well, that's what I remember, Channel 5 carrying Texas Country Reporter every weekend. Good show featuring you know, different corners of the state of Texas, cultural festivals, things like that, just history. Good show. And Mr. Bob Phillips, and the voice, and, and <laughs> always selling DQ stuff. Well, Bob, he's, he's going to do something else with his life. He, I guess he's going to travel the world. I don't know what he's up to. We're not, we're not meeting Bob Phillips now. I'm going to meet the replacement to Bob Phillips. J.B. Salceda will be the new anchor for a Texas Country Reporter, and he joins us right now by phone. J.B., it's a pleasure. Thank you for calling us today. So you got to tell me, man, how is it that you landed this gig? Now, Bob Phillips rides off into the sunset. How'd you land this anchor gig over at Texas Country Reporter? That's a uh, that's a great question. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've, I've asked myself that a, a, a bunch of times. You know, I, I grew up watching this show and, and uh, you know, love everything about the storytelling and, and legacy of it. And um, but, you know, the the. The quick and easy answer is that um, you know I, I was among a few few folks that that uh, applied for it, and I'd had a, uh, a long-standing working relationship with with Texas Monthly, who now owns and, and um, you know manages the show, and uh, so I was on the list of, of folks that they reached out to, and, and I had done a lot of, of work uh, doing storytelling and, and, uh, photography work for them over the years. Okay. And, uh, so, so yeah, I, I, um, I think that's how they, they became aware of me and, um, yeah, it, it uh, the process started in May and, and I found out in, in September it was, it was fantastic. Had you ever done any TV work prior to this or was it all print and photography? No, I actually have. I, I've been, uh, uh, one of the co-hosts on a TV show called YOLO Texas, which, um, is produced, uh, out of San Antonio, it's it's a little bit more of a focus on travel specifically and like great places to eat, fun things to do, uh, just living life to the fullest. That type of of show. Um, I, I, there's uh, a primary host, AC Carino, that uh, that that um, she she leads the show, and I was one of the the hosts who would go do individual segments. But um, I'd done TV work there. Uh, I'd done some some work for Texas Monthly in the past, uh, some you know paid sponsorship type video work for. Uh, Cadillac and a few others. Um, so I had some experience, but it, it, it hasn't been my, my full-time background. By yeah. All right. J.B. Salceda, my guest mm-hmm. at the moment, he, he's going to be the new anchor, new voice and face for Texas Country Reporter. And my apologies. I, look, I suspect that it's KRGV Channel 5 that still carries the program here in South Texas. Everybody knows what Texas Country Reporter. Everybody knows um, Bob Phillips. Uh, the voice, the face, uh, even of DQ. So do you get a chance to try to sell uh, some of these Hunger Busters and some of these uh, dip uh, ice cream cones and uh, p- peanut parfaits and all those things? Or do you get a chance to do DQ commercials as a result of being the voice and face of Texas Country Reporter now? 
Well, I don't, I don't believe uh, Bob is, is uh, currently the, the spokesman any longer. I know he was for a long time, right. um, but, you know, I'd love nothing more. I, I love uh, Dairy Queen, so yeah. maybe we can, uh, we can find a way to work. All right, let's get, let's get a salesperson um, over there uh, as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, in, in, in the Valley, uh, the, the, uh, the station is broadcast on now as KBEO. Uh, on Channel 23, okay. Yeah, and, okay. Uh, and, and, um, and, and NBC as well. It's, uh, yes. it, on Saturdays, it's on at 6 a.m., um, but it, um, but uh, you know, a, a lot of, of, of folks watch it on cable on RFD, which is national. Okay. So, um, and it, it's broadcast every Friday night guys, at eight o'clock. On, and, on and my apologies locally, you guys over twenty three and four and five. I'm sorry. <laughs> look, goes to show you how much TV I watch. I just know it's there. It's been there. It was there for many years for on Channel Five, but it's over. It's, it's on Channel Twenty Three, uh, the NBC mm-hmm. affiliate down here. Also, uh, they they're married over to the CBS affiliate. Uh, Texas Country Reporter every weekend. JB Salcedo will be the new face. The new voice. When do you start uh, your first? When do you film your first program? So we're going to start filming uh, here in the next few weeks. And um, Bob and, and Kelly have recorded, um, you know, the final season that runs basically through next spring. And so that'll be broadcast, you know, here, um, you know, for for the next handful of months. And then um, my shows will start to broadcast in uh, the fall, so September of, of 2024. So we've got some time. Okay. And in the meantime, um, you know, for folks who want to get to know me and a little bit about my background, uh, we'll start sharing content through the social media channels uh, that Texas Country Reporter has. So Facebook and Instagram Reels and TikTok, um, we'll be sharing a lot of, of uh, content and behind-the-scenes stuff there. We, right. you know, we want people to, to kind of get to know me and, and my background and you know, help them understand the, the sort of storytelling that I like doing. And, and, uh, but you know, we, we want to definitely get Bob and Kelly their, their full time and, and, and do on, on the season. So they've, they've got some great, great, uh, shows coming out over the next few months. And I highly encourage everybody to watch, you know, season 52, uh, that, that's currently being aired. There's, there's some great stuff in there. Yeah. Has, um, has Bob Phillips, has he been anchor since the start, since season one? Do you know? Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm a little bit fuzzy on the, the kind of like very, very, very beginning. Yeah, I think he's old enough to have been, I guess. Yeah. yeah, it was, this is season 52, so yeah. I mean, he's been doing it for 52 years, and, and uh, but I, I believe it started as like a segment on, on one of the, um, I think it was WFAA in, in Dallas. Of course. Yes, uh, a long time ago, yeah. and then he eventually took over and, and made it like a proper show, so He's been doing it the entire time. I mean, I, you know, it's it's the longest running, uh, privately produced TV show on the air today, which right. is, is pretty amazing when you think about it. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we uh, you know we're really proud of, of that legacy. So, you know, we we don't want to we don't want to uh, fix what ain't broken, you know, and and so we, we really want to just keep building off of, of the work that he's been doing. So, um, I think the 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 longtime audience who's who's very familiar with it when they see. Uh, you know, my, my first season, they'll see a lot to, uh, that'll be very familiar to, uh, to, to, to them and, uh, things that, that they'll, uh, they'll recognize in terms of the way that we produce it. JB Salceda will be the new face and voice for Texas country reporter. And thanks to JB. I now know that's over at channel 23 on the weekends and he'll start, uh, late next year, like fourth quarter, close to fourth quarter next year for mm-hmm. the, uh, for the fall season. And you'll see JB Salceda as a new face and voice of Texas Country Reporter. Now, let me do a little spoiler here, because I know you're going to provide more information about yourself online as we go into the next year. Where'd you grow up? 
I grew up in Laporte, Texas, southeast of Houston, uh, right. but I actually spent a lot of time in the Valley because my dad's from San Benito. So yeah. uh, I, I grew up going down there quite a bit, and my wife is uh, is from McAllen. So, yeah. um, or I'm sorry, not McAllen. She's from Mission. So we uh, we're down there quite a bit. Yeah, another Houston Mexican. That's what my producer Freddie calls me. He hates me. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I grew up as a teenager yep. in, in Houston, Houston Mexican. Yeah, Laporte, yep. working man, part of town. What'd your dad do for a living? Oh yeah. What'd your dad do? Yeah, my dad was in the uh, steel industry, so he was an inside salesman. Uh, he he uh, went to University of Texas, uh, went back to school when he was a little older, um, and uh, got a, a degree in business and sold steel uh, for a long time for Ryerson and Inland Steel, and then eventually uh, worked for another great company called O'Neill. Worked right on the on the ship channel um, and. and sold steel plate and, and stainless steel to uh, a lot of the, the industry there in, in yeah. Houston. My dad so was using that. Very much a, a yeah. blue-collar side of town. Yeah, no, I got you. My dad was using some of that so, uh, scaffold uh, erector oh, yeah. around some of the uh, petrochemical plants around there. So, yeah, there's a little bit of a connection there between your family yep. and mine. So, J.B. Sauceda, uh, what is J for? Jose, Juan, Jesus, what is that? And the B, what is that? Bausilio, Bernabe, what, what, is, what is J.B.? No, it's it's uh, it's Juan Bernardo. It uh, yeah, Juan, Juan, Juan Bernardo. Bernardo. I, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I have I have uh, one of the the uh, uh, you know n- not so great accents that you get growing up in East Texas. Um, but yeah, Juan, Juan Bernardo. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, um, I I I uh, I know my, my I give my parents a hard time actually uh-huh. about this because they you know they grew up fluent um, speaking Spanish and. I've had to go back and like learn it because they, they didn't really speak it to us as much, you know, growing up. Yeah. Uh, my daughter, on the other hand, she, she knows that we're teaching her and my son and, and Good they're for taking you. classes and, and Good for learning you. it that way. But yeah, Juan, Juan Bernardo, but I, I, I went by JB as a kid. My, my uncle, um, who uh, lived in Samanito, uh, just called me by my initials from uh, a very, very young age. And so I just went by that pretty much my whole life. And then, um, I, uh, it just kind of stuck, and so uh, close friends will actually call me Juan B or Juan Bernard, and uh, kind of just you know. Um, Bernie? Did they ever call you Bernie? Uh, they Bernie? never called me that, but uh, that was what my uh, my uncle Chato. That's what uh, that's what he went by. Yeah, he uh, was Bernie. Um, him him and my uh, grandfather were both uh, named Bernie. So no, I don't. What is Chato yeah, my, my short for? Juan, so I, just, I got I got a little bit of both. Yeah, what's what's your uncle's name? I forgot what Chato is is, is short for. Short for. Uh, I, I don't know why he went by Chato. Uh, but yeah, his name it, was it, it, it's one yeah. of those uh, Mexican names that they they condense down uh, to. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, for he, example, like Ignacio, right? Ignacio is Nacho. Yeah. Which you know, yep. which it, the Nachos got their name because. The guy up, I guess, in Central Texas, San Antonio, who or El Paso, I don't know where it was. The guy who invented uh, nachos, well, they're named after him, Ignacio Nachos. So, yeah, that chato is yep. short for something. I just it, it escapes me right now. And story development. Uh, I'll leave you with this. How, how does that happen over at uh, at the show? Is, is that something that you are going to develop, or the folks you know at Texas Country Reporter? They already have a a list of 11 shows that are, are in your just travel taxes and just interview people and, and feature stuff. How does that happen? You know, it, it's kind of both. It, so, so the team that we have, there's, there's a, a, a few producers up in Dallas who are constantly just scouring the news and, and their network for ideas of, of, you know, what we call a TCR story, which is really, you know, it's focused on a person. Um, it's not just solely about like, Oh, check out this great sandwich at this restaurant. It's, it's really focused on, the, the personal stories, the empathy, the, 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 you know, 
um, the successes, the heartbreak, you know, all the stuff that just makes, you know, back roads, Texas, small town, Texas, really unique. And, um, so they're constantly looking for that. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm always open to, and, and looking for ideas. I've got, um, uh, you know, a friend of mine who, uh, lives in Samanipo who is, is, uh, manages the Conjunto museum that, yeah. that just moved yeah. from one yeah. building to another. He's been hitting me up and, um, I've got friends in West Texas with ideas that have been reaching out to me. So if you, um, if you look me up, um, on, on Facebook, uh, you, you can find me on there, just uh, J, JB Sauceda. You can uh, send me a message if you have ideas. Uh, you can look up my website and send me an email if you have ideas. Uh, but that's really how the show, you know, um, managed its story development for a long time. It's just as people watched it, they'd, they'd see a, an episode and something would resonate with them. And then immediately they'd say, you know what, I, show. I, I think so-and-so in my life show. would be really interesting. And they'd just share those ideas over. Yeah. So. We, uh, we'll, we'll be doing monthly uh, meetings where we, we uh, talk about them and, and figure out what we're going to film next. And then we'll, we'll be weaving together yeah. the episodes based off of the themes and things together. It's, so. it's an honor meeting you, brother. And congratulations on this calling, this landing this gig. It's a, that's a great show. And, and it's Texas. Uh, Texas Country Reporter. Again, yeah, close to in, in the fall season, you'll see J.B. Mm-hmm. Salceda as the new face and voice for the program. Well, we'll keep in touch, brother. Thank you much for calling us today. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks so much. It's it's an honor to to, to be on the show. It's an honor to to uh, be a Mexicano on, on the show and and represent um, you know my, my yeah. family and, and history there. And and uh, appreciate uh, yeah. the chance to speak a little bit about where yeah. we're going with it. According to producer Freddie, my producer, you're not a Mexicano, bro. You're a Houston Mexican. You're a Houston like like I am. I, I'm a Houston Mexican. I'm not a. I'm not from the valley. I'm I'm not here representing. Despite the fact that I grew up in Reynosa, now I grew up in Mexico. I grew up in Reynosa. I'm still not Mexican, according to my producer Freddie. I'm just a Houston Mexican. Oh, it, it, it's no it's no different than my parents would argue over whether we were Chicano or not. My dad, of course, <laughs> oh, that's another one, man. We can go down that oh. rabbit hole for all day. All right, JB, all it's day. a pleasure. Big yeah. hug to you, and I look forward to seeing. Come and see us over here in Mission at our HQ at our at our radio station when, when you're t- in town for family. Okay. Will do, will do. Thanks so much. Thank you, brother. Time's 1026. This is the Sergio Show on Newstalk 710 KURV, the Sergio Show. Online, KURV.com. Listen live. This is the Sergio Show. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. We are a trillion dollars plus in debt as a nation when it comes to credit card debt. So go figure, right? Like a trillion bucks. And what's the standard line in the small print? 29.99% annual percentage rate on that credit card debt that you carry. So what? Minimum $300 billion in credit card debt that we're getting ready to pay over the next year. Let me bring in a money expert, a financial analyst for Credit 
at Credit Sesame. I'll welcome back Richard Barrington. And there's no indication, Rich, that the consumer spending will be slowing down going into Christmas. In fact, they retail people, they expect 3 4% increase. Now, I, and they're not talking about inflation either. They're expecting 3 4% increase in holiday shopping. Is Are we as a nation conducting just way too much stress-relieving uh, therapy shopping right now? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it in terms of the pent-up demand that uh, accumulated uh, during the uh, shutdowns because uh, of the pandemic. But it, it's definitely gone overboard. Um, and the real indicator that uh, things have gone too far is that for six straight quarters now, we've seen higher percentages of uh, credit card balances go into delinquency. That means they're 90 days or more late with their payments. Wow. Um, so these are folks who are having serious trouble um, making ends meet. So yeah, between the high balances that you mentioned and the high interest rates, uh, people are having uh, trouble now coping with it. Yeah, and car payments, delinquency on that. Uh, rent, mortgage numbers also starting to creep up. Are we going to see a huge increase in bankruptcies in 2024 as a result, we think? You know, there probably will because there were a lot of things put in place uh, during the pandemic years that helped people avoid bankruptcies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of those programs now are, are you know, wearing off. Um, so I think uh, bankruptcies will tick up. And the important thing uh, for people to think about this is that, while it still is, you know, a relatively minor percentage of the population that's going through that kind of serious problem, these troubles, things like credit card delinquencies, can affect all credit card customers. Um, it drives interest rates higher because credit card companies have to basically protect themselves against the higher risk of lending. Um, it makes it harder to get credit. And if you don't have a great credit score, you might actually see your credit limit cut under these circumstances as credit card companies try to rein in risk somewhat. Well, we are in a consumer-based economy, which is good. That's fine. The market, capitalism, sell stuff, clear the shelves, order more stuff, put more stuff on the shelves. But we never learned how to be frugal. We really don't practice frugality. We don't really save enough. As a nation, we depend too much uh, on the government bailing us out. If you had a chance to turn this Titanic, um, steer it away from the financial iceberg, uh, where you could change American society from a more spend-crazy type of mindset to a more frugal-based, saving-based society, where would you start? What would you do? I probably uh, would... <laughs> I would... Try to discourage risky lending. Um, I think risky lending is 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 you know good for neither party, neither the consumer nor the uh, financial institutions. Um, it's the type of thing you know whether it's the local car dealer who's offering easy financing, or you know whether it's uh, credit card companies that get a little too daring sometimes, and they you know they compensate themselves for risk by charging higher interest rates. But at some point, you know, whether it's 30% or whatever, wherever you want to put the limit, it's too high to be affordable. Um, you know, people think that they want credit um, at all costs, but when they get it, it turns out uh, 
to be a mixed blessing. Um, and again, that's not true for the majority of customers, but I think people who are on the fringe, um, you know, there's there's somewhat of a belief that credit is almost a right in this country. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's for some people, it just gets them in trouble. Um, and so I think having higher credit standards um, uh, to make it uh, more difficult for people to get into trouble with credit would make the system run more smoothly. You said get, get rid of risky lending. I was going to ask you to define that a bit better because when you said that, a couple of things that popped into my head. First was credit card lending. I think that's risky lending. I, I think T-bills, <laughs> full faith and credit of the U.S., <laughs> the way things are right now, we're spending more paying off the debt than we are in national defense. My goodness, the billions of dollars for the trillions upon trillions that we have uh, deep, deep in the hole. Man, I think everything everything could be called risky lending these days. Yeah, and you know, credit card risk. Uh, sorry, credit card lending in particular because it's unsecured debt. That tends to be the canary in the coal mine. Those are the, uh, the delinquency rates and the default rates that tend to go up first. You know, you think kind of longer and harder before you miss a payment on your car or your house because you've got an asset at stake. Yeah. But so you know, as as you would expect, we're seeing credit card delinquencies uh, lead the way. Um, and so this is a good environment. Even if you're not in trouble right now, you need to be very protective of your credit score um, because surveys show that loan officers are tightening standards in reaction to the rising um, delinquencies. Thank you, Richard. You want folks to find you online? You got a website or social media connection? Yeah, absolutely. It's creditsesame.com, um, and we've got a lot of advice, analysis, and also some good tools to help people use credit responsibly. All right, Rich. Thanks for your time. From creditsesame.com is Richard Barrington. This is The Sergio Show. Start your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's morning news. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day. And special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's morning news with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. From Priest for Life, I want to welcome back to the program a servant of God, Father Frank Pavone, precious pastor, father. How are you, my friend? It's good to talk to you again. I am doing great. It is so good to be on with you again. Thanks for uh, thanks for reaching out. Well, we have a, a story out of Texas. Bishop Joseph Strickland, he was called... Um, for being, I guess, too conservative, uh, or as, as the Babylon Bee posted in, in one of the little jokes, they said, Tyler, Texas, Bishop Joseph, Joseph Strickland has been fired by Pope Francis for being Catholic. <laughs> okay. What, can you please explain to working people what happened uh, in this case to, to Joseph Strickland, the Bishop Joseph Strickland. I, I mean, for all the headlines that we hear every now and then of men who who fall 
and disobey God and abuse kids and women or whatever, have for financial issues, whatever. Uh, this guy gets, he gets canned from what we see for being too conservative, too pro-life. He criticizes yeah. the, the, you know, criticizes the Pope too much. So what happened in this case? Well, you know, uh, Sergio, this is something that, uh, as you say, everyone is seeing what has been going on. You know, he has stood out among the bishops for taking a strong stand in what we would call the culture wars, you know, when the, when the Dodgers Stadium had these, uh, this mockery of, of Catholic nuns, you know, in, and, 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 and in favoring yeah. and celebrating transgender and everything. You know, he was the only bishop that, that got out there with a whole big group of peaceful, prayerful Catholics to protest this stuff, and he's one of the only ones be, being very, very strong, for example, in speaking against the Biden administration and all the big pro-abortion uh, stuff that, that, that he and his people are doing in the, in the Democrat Party. So on and on, I mean, there's numerous examples where he is standing as many Catholics stand in these culture wars. Now, I call what happened now, I mean, first of all, Exactly what happened was that he was told by the Pope that he no longer has his position as the Bishop of Tyler, Texas. So yeah. bishops have, you know, various different roles, and usually they are in charge of, 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 a, of a, you know, a geographical area called the diocese. But the Pope has said, no, you're not, you don't have the authority anymore as the Bishop of, of, of Tyler. So essentially, it, it's like a, a forced retirement. He's still a bishop. Um, you know, he still can celebrate the, the sacraments and whatnot, but he's not in that position. Now, I call this the weaponization of church government, and I think that for all our listeners who have been following closely the weaponization of civil government in America, and, you know, we recently had the release of that p film called Police State, which is very, very instructive uh, for people to see. Yes. What we have is this. This is the reversal. In, a, in, a, in, a, in the American system of justice, you go after a crime in search of a person. Crime happens, let's go find out who did it and punish them. In a police state, you go after a person in search of a crime. You target somebody you don't like because of the positions they take, and then you say, let's, let's, let's treat them as a criminal. We'll find some excuse, you know, to pin on them. So this is happening in American civil government, and sadly, it is obviously happening in the church. And they say in the standard news write-up, uh, it says that he was he was requested to resign because of complaints that the Vatican had received over governance. I, I don't know what that means. I, I, I know that he's been a lightning rod, front lines of culture wars and holding the line to Scripture and, and not deviating from that and standing up for life. And as you mentioned <clears throat> on the life issue— he was the one, right, that was making headlines for calling uh, Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi yes. that they not be given yes. communion because they're Catholics in name only, yes. and, and then they're militant uh, abortionists, they're calling for abortion on demand, even to the point of, of birth. They, they stand for, for that. But he was the one that that's was calling exactly for that. exactly right. Right? Right. Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, and, you, and as you know, I mean, I've been punished for the very same thing. I mean, we, we, it's like, hey— Everybody who should be doing this, clergy and laity alike, should be calling out these people. 
But And now we're in a strange situation where we're the ones that get punished for it. But you know what you said is very, very, uh, I, I want to emphasize something very, very enlightening. You know, you said, well, you know, it's unclear what the reason really is, you know, matters of governance. And again, you look at the parallel, how, how, how President Trump is being treated, and whatever people think of him politically, we've got to see the pattern here. You know, when, when, when those impeachments were launched against him, what did they say? Oh, abuse of power. I mean, that's similarly vague. It's like, what in the world are you actually talking about? And, and, and yeah. the reality is, they don't want to specify, they can't specify what they're talking about, mm-hmm. because if they reveal their true reasons, they rightly would be ashamed of themselves. Uh, oh, well, this man, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to raise up too much, kick up too much dust over abortion because our friends, you know, in the, in the Democrat Party are going to get mad at us. You know, this is the kind of pettiness. Uh, that these people are going after. Now, you know, I was, I should say, I was with Bishop Strickland for a very uh, big portion of time recently. We were both speaking at the same conference, and we went to a couple of different events together. And, you know, anybody who has spent time with him is always impressed by his humility. I mean, this is not a man who's out there rebelling against the church or, you know, going on some kind of arrogant, you know, self-serving campaign. This man is just the opposite of that. He feels, as so many of us do, that, you know, we have a duty to God. God has given us a mission, and it's a mission of service. And and this is what this man is all about. And he told me, uh, this was like last month, Mm -hmm. he said, you know, he said, they might ask me to resign. He said, but I am not going to walk away from the work God has given me to serve this flock. So he he already had his mind made up. I'm not going to voluntarily resign. If they want me out of here, they're going to have to force me out. Tyler, Texas Bishop Joseph Strickland, in essence, fired by Pope Francis. We've known Strickland to be quite vocal for the truth and for Scripture and for holding the line on tradition and holding the line on rules. Uh, when it comes to the world of role of women within the priesthood, and of course, sin is sin, and uh, yes, the body of Christ is always open to the LGBTQ community. But like Christ said, you know, stop sinning. <laughs> Just he's always repeating, "You're forgiven," but stop right. sinning. All those things, and and because of his, you know, so-called hard line, as the leftist and, and the media would describe, he's been in essence fired uh, from being bishop up in Tyler, Texas, and no. Really no clarity on these procedures and complaints and the unorthodox. What's the complaint against? All, all we see is truly a, a godly man, bishop, holding the line for truth and scripture, who, who is a critic of Pope Francis, canned by Pope Francis, of the many people that likely should be canned that are not properly representing uh, the church and, and the body of Christ. Pope Francis goes after this guy, and, and I'm again left shaking my hand. Why is why is Pope Francis that way? Uh, Father Frank Pavone joining me right now from Priest for Life. Why is he so leftist? Why is he so accommodating to Marxist ideas and leftists and and um, the revolutionaries and culture that are just upending everything? It seems. Yeah, I think a lot more of that needs to come out. He's got a, so a lot of bad advisors. Um, you know, who knows what kind of bigger uh, destructive plan he is part of. You know, many talk about he's, you know, he's in with these globalist people. He may recently met with the son of George Soros. I'm sure you, 
you saw that some uh, some some uh, weeks ago or a couple months ago. And it's like, what is he doing meeting with these people? You know, he brings in uh, all these left wing political leaders from all over the world. And, you know, they, they, you know, there's a lot we don't know. But but really, all we need to know is is what is obvious. Uh, the man is on the wrong track in many, many ways. And for us to say that as Catholics, I want the, you know those Catholics that are listening to realize that when we have concerns like this, and even when we voice concerns like this, that doesn't mean we're being disloyal to our faith. I mean, we're, we're no. a, 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 you know, all human beings. We're all sinners. The Pope would be the first one to, to admit that. Uh, and we all publicly admit it when we say Mass, right? We say, I confess to Almighty God that I have sinned. Yeah. So it's like it, uh, people should not feel that, oh, I can't even talk about this because I have to be a faithful Catholic. Listen, I'm a faithful Catholic. Bishop Strickland is a faithful Catholic. This is not about disloyalty to the Church. This is about being honest with each other, pointing out problems when, when we see them, and trying to, to seek for a, a solution here, and above all, trying to be faithful to the to the Church. And, you know, if I may, Sergio, mention that uh, we have, a, there's a special website, standwithbishopstrickland.org, okay. where people can offer a spiritual bouquet if they want to pledge to him prayers, um, you know, any kind of spiritual solidarity or just a word of encouragement, standwithbishopstrickland.org. We put that together for him, and we'll be honoring the bishop in January. Uh, I don't know how many of our listeners go to the to the March for Life in Washington, but on the morning of that event, January 19th, we've got a prayer service, and the bishop will be there. And we're going Excellent. to honor him and thank him and, and present him with this spiritual expression of support. So, you know, I mean, that's the way we have to proceed, right? We all know the faith, and uh, the Pope doesn't have any you know, any, any pages of the Catechism or books of the Bible that the rest of us don't have. So we respect the office, but, you know, we're not stupid, and we can see the, you know, we can see when there are things that are just unjust. Uh, it's like they don't, it's not the governance of the Diocese of Tyler that they're concerned about. It's his influence nationwide that's getting these other bishops nervous. It's well, that he's making them look cowardly. That's, what this, that's what's at the root of this. These other bishops are made to look cowardly, and then they complain to the Pope. And by firing him, uh, the Pope just threw fuel on the fire. And uh, may, right. may, may Strickland's voice, um, uh, maybe um, may it reach far and wide as he continues to speak truth. And, um, well, Father Frank, is there, is there anything on your calendar, fundraisers, anything else you want folks to know about Priest for Life, any other events that you want us to know about before I let you go? Oh, I appreciate that. Yes. Well, yes, we have a lot coming up. And, and one of the things I would I would encourage people to do is sign up for our election trainings, um, ProLifeVote.com. Uh, you know, we, we there's a lot of concern across the country. What can we do to defend our values at the ballot box? And we do these monthly meetings where we give training. And I'd invite, I would welcome uh, anyone listening who's interested in that to sign up at ProLifeVote.com. Okay. Uh, and that's one of our main activities, and we look forward to, to letting that, making that grow more, more and more. Sending you a big hug, Pastor. Father Frank Pavone, thank, thank you. you. Soldier on, you. brother. Soldier on in the cause of Christ. This is The Sergio Show. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news.
stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. We mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. I understand that Mickey Mouse, the copyright of Mickey Mouse, will expire next year. Can you imagine once the market grabs Mickey Mouse and starts doing, I don't know, maybe like slasher movies like they just like they did with, with Pooh Bear? John Rizvi is the patent professor, adjunct professor of patent law at Nova Southeastern Law School in Florida. I welcome him back. Professor, why is it that something that obviously is Walt Disney property. Why, why is it that Mickey Mouse, uh, why is it that Disney can't hang on to Mickey Mouse forever? After all, this is produced by Walt Disney himself. It's a Disney property. You think that they would have the rights to something like this for eternity. Yeah, well, uh, uh, first of all, when you say expiring next year, I just that makes it sound like it's a long ways away. It's actually January 1st. So we've got about, ah, <laughs> about yeah. six more weeks yeah. of of the original Steamboat Willie version of Mickey Mouse being owned by Disney. But uh, intellectual property was never intended to be forever. It's the, uh, the constitutional basis specifically says for limited times to authors and inventors, the right to, to intellectual property. And uh, the original copyright term, in fact, was just 14 years. And over the years, it's been expanded to 28 years and then uh, 50 years after the, the, the author's death and currently 70 years after the author's death. A lot of criticism has been uh, uh, against Disney for lobbying for extensions of, of the copyright term. Uh, but I think they're, they're at the end of their rope at this point. There's very little hope that there's going to be any sort of uh, congressional change to extend that copyright past uh, six weeks, January 1st, 2024. I, I need you to take me to school. Uh, me and, and other folks tuning in are curious about this. Again, you, you mentioned um, law, legal, constitutional right, uh, these copyrights that are limited, and there used to be a, a certain uh, amount of time, and now it's, it's different. Look, because I see this as property that is owned by the creator and eventually owned by uh, the family or the estate. Uh, that, that's how that's how I see it. Why, why is it that the public uh, has a right to this when it should belong to family or an estate? It, and I asked you this at a time when actors, you know, voice actors, you know, Hollywood actors, TV actors, they're fighting for their image, their voice, their uh the way their performance, their style, their property. I mean, that's their talent. That's how they get paid for that to be protected from artificial intelligence. What what a, a strange time that that we're in, because if if in, if this intellectual property can become public property at some point, then then the law has already spoken when it comes to how long individuals can protect themselves, their image, their face, their voice can protect themselves from artificial intelligence and somebody else, some corporation profiting profiting from from their image. 
Yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, you bring up good points. I mean, certainly this is different than a, a situation where, where you have AI uh, involved, but uh, the, the law is, is balancing the rights of the original author to profit from their creation. And, of course, we've all heard the expression that, you know, an author is not really uh, famous until they're dead. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, unfortunately, there, there's a bit of truth to that, or at least used to be a lot more truth to that. Now we see authors like, uh, for example, like the Harry Potter series, where the authors are able to profit during their lifetime. So the copyright, and that was the, the basis for extending the rights to 70 years after their their death. Um, but you bring up a good point. If it's property, what makes it, what, you know, there's no limit on land, right? Your, your yes. estate gets to hold on to your your home or, or apartment buildings or real estate, those don't expire. But in the terms of copyrights, it, it's kind of a balance between uh, allowing the fair exchange of ideas uh, and creative expression, not limiting it indefinitely. But uh, that goes to question whether that's you know, especially in view of what's happened with Winnie the Pooh, as you, as you pointed out. Yeah, is that the free expression of ideas that the, the founders intended, that, that the blood and honey uh, version of beloved, you know, characters that we all grew up with and, and them going feral and becoming carnivorous like this. <laughs> it, it, it takes on a completely different meaning uh, now that we see actually what's happening with the free expression of ideas when some of these characters are expiring. Yeah, and, you know, and Mickey Mouse is just the first of a long line of... Now, now this is the Steamboat Willie version, which yeah. is expiring in about six weeks. That's the Mickey Mouse without the white gloves and without the red shorts. But that's, for many people, that's the iconic image of Mickey Mouse that they envision. And Disney still plays that at the beginning of many of their... Their, their films and movies and, and ads. So that's an important character, but even the white glove and red short version doesn't have much more life left. Uh, a little over a dozen years. On January 1st, 2036, uh, all versions of Mickey Mouse are going to expire. Um, and when I say it's the, the tip of the iceberg, we've got not far behind them Bugs Bunny, Bambi, Peter Pan, Batman, uh, Superman, all of these are going to go into the public domain and be available for anyone. And I, I don't know if what we're going to see is this trend of, of slasher-type movies with these yeah. characters. Like, perhaps... <laughs> Steamboat Willie? I mean, perhaps the public yeah. thirst for that is full. Like, yeah. the, the Winnie the Pooh is one of the first. I mean, like, how many versions of uh slasher characters are still going oh, to Oh, you know it's coming. Uh, they're going to, you know, Steamboat Willie, it's going to be Screamboat Willie. You, you know it's somebody <laughs> probably already did it and they'll be releasing it on January 2nd once uh, uh, the Steamboat Willie copyright is lifted. But again, it's and I got about a minute just quickly explain the constitutionality of all this. Is it codified in the constitution how everything exp- these copyrights expire? Yes. Uh, well, it's the, the actual duration is not codified, but uh, the, the specific language for limited terms, and that's what all the, the discussion is about, is what, what's limited. And different types of intellectual property is limited differently. If you have a new idea, a patent, the patent is only good for 20 years after filing. So it's a lot shorter of a duration 
copyrights for artistic works like books and movies and characters and paintings, those have a, the longest duration of any intellectual property, and that's uh, you know some 70 years after the author's death. Yeah, so much for the right to property. I, I just find that very contradictory from the uh, intent, founding principles, and some of the the conversations founding fathers had on, on all this. I just I still see it as property for the estate, for family, for generations. But either way, all that is eventually surrendered. Thank you, Professor. Appreciate uh, appreciate the analysis. Again, that's the patent professor, Dr. John Rizvi from the Nova Southeastern Law School in Florida. This is The Sergio Show.